0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome to the sweet side of a Monday morning. This is Deep South Dining on MPB Think Radio. That was sugar, sugar, honey, honey, Carol. You remember that one?
1: Gosh, Malcolm, it takes me way back, but we won't say how far back. And, the
0: Archies. Um,
1: yeah, speaking <laughs> of far back, it's your birthday week.
0: Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's been a long, long journey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. I was thinking this morning about some of that journey and thinking of birthdays that I have spent with you. and. I remember one very memorable birthday on the coast. We went to hear Tony Bennett oh,
0: for your birthday. Man, that was a great one. Yeah. And
1: then I remember a very special birthday, we won't say what number, when you bought out the Mayflower in Jackson and <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we had we a grand bill private meeting. A, a
1: we had a wing ding well, so anyway, was, happy birthday this week
0: thank you thank you thank you uh the the mayflower birthday was 50 uh i don't remember what number tony bennett on the mississippi gulf coast was but it was a good one but the one coming up this week is seventy-seven zero. so wow who knew
1: who knew who knew?
0: Java, he's over there just cracking up. He, he doesn't even know anybody 70 years old. I
1: ago. know, but he's going <laughs> to help me celebrate th- this week. I think we'll probably go to uh, to Soul Sister or um, Godfrey somewhere. We, the three of us have to celebrate. It's, it's a big event.
0: Yeah, well, I'm old enough to tell you this that I've gotten both of my COVID shots. So, in that way, you know how great it is uh, to be an elder statesman.
1: Well, I'm two COVID shots in also, and I've had a lot of big events this week, including my first restaurant meal, which I planned for for several weeks, and Mona Nicholas wanted to be the ambassador to reintroduce me to dining outside of the home. So we had a lovely time at Helen Mouth. That's where I picked for my first restaurant meal in a year.
0: Wow, so your first public dining experience in a year. Yes. And, and I know from your uh, social media post, uh, it, at least I know one thing y'all ate were onion rings with comeback sauce.
1: Thick onion rings. When now, they it, asked me if I wanted thick or thin, no choice.
0: Now, you do know the difference, you know the difference between thick and thin, don't you, at House. No. Okay, thick are called hal style, thin or Mal style.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, you know that just goes to show that whenever I order the thick onion rings, which has been over a year, I I think of hal. So that's good. Ne- next time I'll say that. I also had the catfish tacos.
0: Ooh, that's a good one.
1: And that's a new item on the menu since the last time I've been.
0: It, Yes, the Catfish Tacos really is uh, an item that came out of COVID. <clears throat> when we greatly reduced our staff, our operating hours, uh, and our menu uh, to a chalkboard, uh, our, our new chef, McKee Wadlington, came up with the Catfish Tacos, and it's been a real hit. We, we top it with Hal's Famous. Uh, coleslaw which was right on the top there well they were delicious so okay. what
1: what went on in your kitchen this week
0: well it's it's been busy over here <clears throat> as you know Kara uh, made the uh, feta pasta dish that that you hipped us all to that was setting the internet on fire you want to talk a little bit about that and then we'll talk about Kara's version of it
1: yeah, there there have been over 600 million views of this TikTok recipe called Feta Pasta. And I did some research. Yeah, there are many versions of it now on TikTok. But it first appeared in 2019 with a Finnish food blogger. And I, you know, I I don't want to butcher her name. It's something like Jenny Heyrennen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And by February of this year, it was the number one. Feta cheese is now the number one search item on Instacart. And you cannot buy a block of feta cheese anywhere. It's a very simple recipe with a block of feta, fresh basil, tomatoes, and pasta. So what went on at your house with the recipe
0: Well, as you stated, Kara went to the store uh, after seeing uh, the post and reading the recipe and could not find a block of feta cheese. So she got crumbles. So she prepared uh, a nice little pasta, crumble feta cheese, basil, uh, and she used uh, the little cherry tomatoes. Cherry
1: tomatoes. It's very important to use cherry tomatoes from what I read. Just regular old tomatoes don't do it.
0: Well, it was fantastic. Uh, we had it for dinner uh, night before last, and Wren, my granddaughter, was over spending the weekend, and she lapped it up like a cat after milk. Uh, of course, I did too. So we really enjoyed that. So thank you for sharing that, and thanks to the Finnish woman uh, for for blowing up the Internet and making it impossible to find the block of feta cheese.
1: Indeed, and... I am going to ask Java to post the recipe on the MPB website, the Deep South Dining website, so others who may not be TikToking can share it as well.
0: Gotcha. Well, uh, another thing that went on here this week at my house was uh, we tilled up the garden in preparation of Easter when I will plant the garden for the year. I'm very excited about growing my own basil. Uh, my own peppers and my own tomatoes. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, I've, I've composted my garden, tilled it up, and I'm really looking forward to my second garden in this spot along my fence row here in Bell Haven. As you know, one of my New Year's resolutions was to grow more food that I eat.
1: Well, I think it's important to be an inner city farmer. It's a trend, Malcolm.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> That's good, too. One thing I want to ask you about to just put on, to, to sort of mark, and we'll talk about it in a later date, and that is cooking with gas. There is, there's this new kind of phenomenon uh, regarding energy awareness of moving away from natural gas in homes and moving toward all-electric and all-electric kitchens, all-electric utilities, and you know, you and I growing up, We worked hard to get away from electric and get back to gas because we like we love the flame. We love the way you can regulate a gas stove. Do you think we're looking at uh, an end to cooking with gas here?
1: You know, I don't know, but we I mean, we we are certainly seeing that trend back to induction and electricity. And, you know, it makes sense that with our you know world's resources dwindling that more people would do that but if you remember back in the 50s the all electric kitchen
0: living better electric.
1: electrically yes was <laughs> you know was really a big deal and it was you know a great benefit of living in a new home they would they would advertise you know living better elect- electrically in your new home And I, for one, uh, moved into a condominium development back in the 90s, and it was all electric, and it just about did me in, because Mm. at the time, y'all was working with Viking Range, loved to cook. It just didn't do it for me. So I literally ended up in my next up moving so I could have a Viking kitchen to support my job. Yeah. Because you just, you know, you just don't get the BTUs um, with electric. But now with, you know, induction is really coming on strong.
0: And And explain what induction is.
1: Well, it creates a magnetic surface. You have to have a pan that is magnetized, um, and it it creates a a magnetic surface. The first time I saw it used was in Europe in, in chef kitchens, probably 25 or 30 years ago, but it is very fast-heating. It's very low-energy, um, and, you know, it's pretty amazing. When I owned the Everyday Gourmet, you knew that people had induction when they walked around with a magnet in one hand and, you know, tried pots mm. out that would, yeah, that would go. Like a Le Creuset stock pot would not work on induction cuz it's cast iron. Cast iron wouldn't work on induction. It has okay. to be a surface that can be magnetized.
0: Hey, also you posted a cake uh, a beautiful chocolate cake uh on Instagram. Tell tell us a little bit about that. That thing looked magnificent.
1: Well, in addition to eating at a restaurant um, I got cooked upon this weekend. Oh. Actually, made my first trip out of state with some friends to Florida in the year, and our good friend and uh, I believe your physician, Nancy Campbell,
0: yes, who
1: is a fine cook, made Julia Child's three chocolate bomb, and it 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 is a, a cake exterior a chocolate mousse interior and then a chocolate ganache covering it. And it was absolutely delicious As I put on co- uh, cooking and coping. It's, it's a labor of love. It's a very intense process, but I certainly got a lot of inten- attention on Facebook yesterday.
0: Yeah. Did it have an icing? What, what was the topping?
1: Well, it's, It's a ganache, and a ganache is different from icing. Uh, You know, when you have a normal icing on a cake, it's usually buttercream, which is uh, a combination of beating butter and powdered sugar. It makes a very creamy surface. A ganache is a mixture of melted chocolate, And cream and it's normally used as a glaze or a drizzle and it sets up and it's kind of hard but it's a beautiful thing
0: yeah yeah well it was certainly uh, lovely to see Uh, and uh, maybe someday I'll taste it my own self
1: well just mention it to Kara Norris white and I'm sure that you'll have one
0: all right well let's take a break when we come back we'll talk about women's history month which is March and we will highlight Uh, We want to highlight all through the month of March, uh, women's accomplishments in uh, history and in culinary, all things culinary arts. So when we come back, we'll talk about our selection for this week, which who is Julia Child. So we'll take a break. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Julia Reed. Wrong, wrong, Julia. You mentioned Julia Child. So I, I was my brain was on that. But we'll take a break, come back and talk about Julia Reed.
2: Michael
0: Jack, Jackson Jason back to I could South get your dog Mountain pack. White here with Carol Bucket. We it's are happy you have Jack. tuned in we'll to, to MPB we'll Think, think Radio fun. this morning. I and throughout the month of Michael March Jack. we are going to highlight Women's History Month and uh, we're going to choose each week uh, a person uh, who we think qualifies as a, a woman of history related to the culinary arts. And Carol, who will we highlight today?
1: Malcolm, we are highlighting our dear friend and fellow Mississippian, Julia Reed, who sadly passed away in August of this year. And she set the standard for being a hostess, uh, you know, a cook, and what I call a convener. She brought together all sorts of people Authors, artists, chefs, I mean Julia's table was always the most fun table anywhere, whether it was in New York or New Orleans or in in greenville and um I'd like to hear you talk about her being our cultural ambassador
0: yeah we <clears throat> when I was still uh directing the arts commission, we selected her one year to receive a governor's Arts Award. And, uh, you know, as you were describing her talents and her life, I was sort of perplexed about, you know, what to call her. You know, she she was a writer, but and she's published many books. She's a journalist. Uh, She's a bon vivant, as you stated. She was a convener. Uh, she she worked diligently on the Mississippi Delta Hot Tamale Festival and created the whole culinary mashup piece. Uh, she was always promoting Mississippi around the world, whether she was in New York or in, uh, in Europe or wherever. And I came up with this idea to, to call her the cultural ambassador. And I'll never forget when I called her up to tell her that she'd been selected to receive a governor's arts award. And she, she said, well, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm stunned. I'm so grateful. And I said, yeah, and I have decided that the award that you receive will be cultural ambassador. And she just cackled. She just laughed and laughed and laughed. And uh, so we went ahead and announced the awards, rolled it out, sent the media out. And about a month later, my phone rings and it's Julia And she's just hooping and hollering. She said, "I thought you were kidding about being a cultural ambassador. I didn't know you were serious, you crazy person."
1: And (laughs) off she went. But
0: she loved it. She absolutely loved it.
1: Well, um, when I I knew that we were going to talk about her this morning, I was remembering that the day after she died, John Meacham, who is You know, an internationally known historian and a close friend of Julia's, both uh, John and his wife, Keith, who's from the Mississippi Delta, wrote the most beautiful tribute to her. Uh, And it was in Garden and Gun. And I looked it up this morning before the show. And so if anybody else wants to read it, just put in your browser, put uh, Julia Reed Obituary Meacham or John Meacham. And, or gardening Gun, Julia Reed Obituary Garden and Gun, and it is one of the most wonderful tributes to any human being I've ever read, but it really sums up the essence uh, of Julia Reed.
0: And you know, uh, I remember one year I was tasked with introducing Julia at the Mississippi Book Festival, and uh, they had given me a little sheet of paper which included, you know, a sort of bio of Julia and and you know talked about her new book which i think at the time was mama always put vodka in the sangria or or some such <laughs> book that she had written <clears throat> so anyway i show up and uh it's time for that, you know that session to start no julia i'm uh, sort of stumbling around the crowd is restless uh so finally I announced that you know Julia will be here shortly uh you know just be patient. Another 10 minutes pass, no Julia. I'm on my cell phone calling like where's this is Julia for you.
1: Yeah, this is typical.
0: And then suddenly the the two doors burst open in the back of the room <laughs> and and in comes Julia with a train of people behind her.
1: Always when- loved an entourage.
0: Who, who she led up onto the stage, uh, and I had no introduction prepared for any of these people. Uh, and one of them was the editor of Garden and Gun, whose name I cannot recall at the moment. But John Meacham, Meacham was also with her. Uh, David Trigiani, uh, Bill Dunlap, there were there were about seven or eight of them, and they all came up on the stage. And so I just said, ladies and gentlemen, this is Julia Reed. And I will let her introduce her guest. And she got a standing ovation, of course, was brilliant, as always.
1: Well, I got a text just a few minutes ago from Hank Burdine in Greenville. He's listening out there, and he, he said to tell everybody to also Google Garden and Gun Ultimate Party Stop. And that is a story about Julia's famous sandbar parties that she and Hank hosted for people from all over the world after the Tamale Festival. And the sandbar parties were as legendary as her dinner parties, her fine dinner parties in uh, New Orleans or New York. And wherever she entertained, it was always with the greatest style and the greatest enthusiasm and the most interesting people you can imagine.
0: Absolutely, so this month for uh, Women in History Month, we choose Julia uh, Reed to highlight um, as, as our culinary arts ambassador for women in history. And we, I don't know, you know, we miss her so much. She was such a, <clears throat> a bold and definitive force in, in all things Mississippi arts and culture. Uh, uh, I, I shudder to think uh, how we will ever fill that void, but we shall soldier on and we will miss her uh, all the way uh, to the end. But we certainly appreciate all that she brought to the party, all that she brought to the table. She was a fabulous writer and a great cook. Jewelry, our highlight for Women in History Month. All right. You know, Carol, earlier we were talking about this uh, dish that just blew up um, the internet with the feta cheese pasta, which we cooked here, or I didn't cook, Kara cooked here at our house. But there are some other uh, TikTok followers and TikTok food personalities out there that you have unearthed. Tell us a little bit about those.
1: Well, some other ones are Tabitha Brown, who has over two million followers, and she shares vegan recipes. And as you know, TikTok is a very uh, abbreviated format. You have to do a lot in just a little bit of time. And she does wonderful uh, vegan recipes. And then there's a guy, he actually he's a college student, and his name is Jeremy Sheck, S-C-H-E-C-K. Maybe pronounced pronounce Check check with the S in front of it. But he teaches people how to cook Italian food. And he explains, you know, the mechanics behind the cooking. And he has now more than 80,000 followers. Wow. And then there is Shereen, S-H-E-R-E-E-N. And she has a TikTok called Cooking with Shereen. And uh, Shereen is the Italian mother that you didn't know you needed. In your life, and she used to be a QVC guest, and now she has uh, you know, has this, this TikTok presence. And her viral video of banana bread has over 20 million viewers, so there's That's a lot a- of food going on out there.
0: That's a lot of TikToking, Carol.
1: I know it's a lot of TikToking.
0: Now, are you are you on TikTok or do you just like me see TikTok through Instagram and Facebook occasionally?
1: No, I actually go on TikTok every now and then. I okay. mean, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time for Instagram and, and TikTok because I'm, I'm following cooking and coping so closely. But, you know, TikTok is just a, a phenomenon. Um, I think at first, you know, it really set us apart by age. People of our age didn't get TikTok, but uh you know now
0: it seems the whole world is tick tocking yeah I, I think TikTok, like a lot of other um uh, social media platforms instagram facebook started out young people trying to have something to themselves and then we old people just exactly. took it exactly i mean it's another example of we see something young people are doing and we want to do it
1: Yeah, and then they abandon it and go on to the next thing. But, you know, the thing about TikTok and Instagram is they are what Instagram says, instant or Snapchat. And, you know, I prefer the more long form things like cooking and coping where you can have an actual conversation with somebody. And if you see a recipe, you can say, please post the recipe. And, you know, you, you form a sense of community. So that's
0: where I am. Uh, Well, speaking of uh, cooking and coping, uh, our uh, partner in crime that helped create and launch and and make cooking and coping what it is today will be joining us shortly. Uh, We'll take a break uh, at this time. And when we come back, uh, our buddy Leanne Galt will join the conversation. We'll ask you to stay tuned and Leanne and Carol, and I will be right back. Southern Remedies,
1: Relatively Speaking, is a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading
0: our MPB public media app. Welcome back to Pizza Self Dining. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett here. It's Monday, and we appreciate you tuning in. We have a very special guest coming up. Carol, can you tell us who that is?
1: She is a very special guest indeed, and like Julia Reed, she is also from Greenville, Mississippi. Um, Leanne Doss Galt, and Leanne and I worked together for many years at Viking Range, and we were partners in crime, and we have had many culinary adventures all over the world. Uh, Today, Leanne works for Edge Theory, and you keep the conversation going. Tell us a little bit about Edge Theory. What it is that you do? Um, well, what I do, I, I'm uh,
2: I do the creative stuff. I write the blogs and do the social media. We have uh, techie, techie guys who um, invent tools that help the government and other people listen. Or monitor conversations and be aware of conversations that are being had and um, understand and participate in conversations. So,
1: yeah, well, uh, speaking of of conversations, the reason I wanted you to mention that is because Leanne, you were really, uh, you know, the backbone of this whole cooking and coping adventure on Facebook. And it was a year ago this week when the pandemic first you know, but came to the national attention, and I called you and told you, I said, Leanne, I said, Malcolm and I you know, really want to have a way to keep our audience engaged, and you developed the Facebook site, like, in a matter of hours, and uh, you sent it out, to all of your many 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 friends to follow and do you remember how excited we were when we got 200 followers <laughs> I remember how excited we were when we got like 15 followers but 200 we were over the moon yes and now we're at, at 3,600 people and of all the people that post and enjoy the community of cooking and coping you are the favorite you're your cooking is so inspirational to everybody and you know people just log in in the morning to see what you cook for your family the night before <laughs> well that's very nice I don't know I'm pretty
2: inspired by I, yeah you have to I had to up my game because I'm so inspired by the people that are there Tim Pierce and um Bob and
0: April Bob Yorker, yeah. yeah April yeah. McGregor
2: Um. um Oh, I lost my words. I can't think of her name. But that uh, lovely woman in Spain. I mean, there's always. A- yes. Jenny.
1: Jenny Pugh Hernandez yeah. in in uh, in Madrid. I but she's- I know you, you, you- this is over and she's probably listening. She listens to <laughs> listens to the <laughs> blog. But uh, last time you were on, it was, I guess, over a year ago. Uh, You talked a little bit about your your process of being so excited to plan your meals every week and go to the go to the grocery store once a week. So, are you still in that groove? I am. um, I I had to, but I
2: um, plan my recipe. I mean, my meals for the week, write my grocery list, and then um, I go online and put in my order and pick up. You know. Do the pickup where they load everything in my truck. I mean, my trunk. I wish I had a truck.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know you had a truck. I see if I could borrow it.
2: <laughs> I wish I did. I'm looking for one.
0: A truck full of Leanne Gall. <laughs> well, you know, you're the mother of cooking and coping. So um, I hope you're proud of your child because you've created uh, quite a fascinating organization of people here who just love one another and uh, it has been a joy to not only have the Monday morning Deep South Dining show here on MPB Think Radio but to also have the Cooking and Coping Facebook site to sort of interconnect what we talk about and what people are cooking in their homes And, and you Leanne are a masterful home cook I'm sure that you would do great in a restaurant setting too But your forte really seems to be, uh, I know you worked for Viking and you know how to do cooking classes and all that, but your forte really seems to be what you create at home uh, for your family and and share with others through uh, your post and uh, through the Cooking and Coping Facebook site.
1: One of the the reasons that we ask you this week is Malcolm and Java and I were intrigued during the ice storm and the snowstorm (laughs) and (laughs) the all-weather event of a couple of weeks ago, you posted the words, power-free, can't stop me, (laughs) and you had a photograph, you know, in the dark, obviously you didn't have electricity, you were cooking in your fireplace. Yes. Yes, so tell us what you were cooking in your fireplace let's let's
2: let's definitely say that that had never happened ever before in my life I'm not a a camper type girl you know I like a a stove and um but uh I was a girl scout I don't think we ever did anything over a campfire but um I had no power and I had bought groceries of course the day before we lost power so I put all the groceries outside in the snow and (laughs) um it had some lanterns and candles everywhere and just basically i did kind of a mississippi roast but as a stew form because i had all of the ingredients but um and it just didn't cook as slow as it would have in a crock pot um but it was it was good
1: it was delicious you used a dutch oven. So you just put all the ingredients and then just set, set this on top of the logs on your fire. Is that correct? Yeah. So I, I put the pan in and got it hot and kind of seared the meat as
2: best you can in the dark. It's amazing how hard it is to tell when things are done when it's dark, but um, <laughs> and then just added, and then, you know, the fire kind of goes down and there's more ash and, um, uh, put the other ingredients in and put a lid on and just sort of hoped for the best.
1: Well, yeah, that's very cool, but I, I think I saw some either bread or cornbread in a pan. Too. Um, it was, uh,
2: yeah, it was bread. It was just like a loaf of whole foods bread that I put in there to toast.
0: So it was a beef stew in the end, Leanne? Yes. So it was cooked over uh, an open fire in your uh, interior fireplace as as you described my question is did it have a smoky uh sort of outdoor flavor added to it or did it just taste like beef stew it had a
2: out it had a smoky flavor to it for sure and the bread definitely did um as a matter of fact my whole house has a a smoky flavor right now (laughs) so
0: you're living in a house full of smoky beef stew flavor
2: we're still airing out a little bit but, um, yeah, so it was easy, and then we did, um, the next night, I uh, heated up the stuff and toasted some hamburger buns, and we had roast beef sandwiches. Oh, okay. Oh,
1: well, I saw that you were using it. It looked to me like a Lodge cast iron, a, a Dutch oven.
2: Yes. I think it's large. Um, it was my mama's, so... I have, you know, in the South, everybody hands down their cast iron. I've hit the kitchen pretty hard. Um, so I don't know how much my sister's got, but I got
1: three really good pieces. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she she probably got the pearls and you got the cast yeah. iron.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I actually uh, wrote a blog about that one time. It was, it was she got the jewelry, I got the cast iron skillet. And it was just fine with me. Yeah, priorities, you know. Yeah, well, I say the cast iron skillet gets put to to good use. Um, One of the dishes that I saw you do recently was a gnocchi with a spiced chicken sausage and burst tomatoes. I was very intrigued by the term burst tomatoes. And that dish got, you know, a lot of play, a lot of comments on the Facebook page. And it was in a cast iron skillet. So tell us a little bit about that dish.
2: it's good because it's pretty and it's real easy but people um it looks like you worked really hard on it so uh i get your cast iron skillet saute your um sausage take it out uh put your some olive oil in the pan and your whole cherry tomatoes and just kind of let them cook until they burst and are juicy and then throw in some garlic and some fresh um basil and then i cooked it was just packaged gnocchi um, because that's what I had and I cooked it a little less than the directions and sauteed it in a a skillet till it was kind of crispy and then mixed everything together
0: it was good so you know Leanne uh, over a year ago you were on and uh, actually before lockdown and we were talking about sheet pan cooking Mm -hmm. which turned out to be one of the biggest trends of the year Uh, why do you think that is
2: because everybody has a sheet pan, or they should, Um, and I think because it's easy, there's just something really, um, it makes, first of all, it makes for a beautiful presentation, nothing looks prettier than a big sheet pan with brightly colored vegetables, and your protein, and herbs sprinkled on top, but also I think because um, it's really nice to work all day, and come home, and be able to chop a few vegetables, and get some protein, throw it on a, sheet pan with some olive oil and throw it in the oven while you, um, you know, put on your pajamas or, um, decompress somehow.
0: Well, if in fact sheet pan cooking was a trend and that's the way it's described, what do you see now or ahead as trends, Way things that you're doing besides the cast iron and the sheet pan, what else is going on uh, with you that you might classify as, as a trend or as a, uh, Uh, a new movement
2: well definitely baking i um have not gotten into the baking thing so much but my son who lives with me has um embraced the yeast and uh is baking breads all the time and it's delicious and fun so i've seen a lot of baking um pickling and preserving i think you know every during covid just the embrace the slow move slow food movement i think has come back really strong and in a different more widely accepted because you know covid you had tons of time to cook and um you didn't you couldn't go to the grocery store all the time so you wanted to save what you had bought whether you preserved it or made stocks so i've seen kind of a um embracing really fine ingredients
0: yeah, that's great,
1: Leigh-Anne, I've really noticed on um, cooking and coping how many pizzas people are doing. Uh, it it seems like you know every weekend there are just tons of of just these beautiful pizzas, and people are are making yeah you know, making their dough. And, uh, uh, and Be- I'm very <laughs> by that. What? say that one more time I said, oh. i'm very impressed by it i was wondering if you would notice that and uh, what do you make of the pizza face me too well i think it's bob yarber and it that makes all the rolls
2: and breads and pizza doughs and everything looks fabulous and makes you feel kind of bad about you know the peanut butter sandwich you have in front of you so <laughs> start making something um well I, I i mean everybody loves pizza and um it's an easy it's one of the easiest doughs you can make I mean it's a yeasted dough but it's um, easy and delicious and you can feed your whole family and everybody has um, some sort of ingredient on hand that you can it's a great vehicle for leftovers and whatever's left in the refrigerator
1: Um, exactly and, and it's, it's a, a great way to personalize, too. I mean, mm-hmm. you get your dough, and you know, everybody in the family can choose mm-hmm. an ingredient or, or make individual pizzas.
0: Do you have a, a, Leanne, do you have a pizza dough, a simple pizza dough off the top of your head recipe? I know it's just water and flour, correct? And yeast. And do yeah. you, could, could you sort of sh- share yeah. with our listeners, like, here's the, Pizza's easy to make. Here's how you make the dough.
2: Um, I do what? Hold on, I'm looking at it up really quick. Um,
0: Does your son make a pizza? You said he was baking a lot. Does he make a pizza dough?
2: He he will. I um, I've made the pizza dough mostly, but he makes the real bread.
0: Okay, gotcha.
2: But um, for the pizza dough that I do, it's like just uh bread flour and yeast some sea salt some olive oil warm water and um you just mix it all together and let it rise I um I'm trying to find a recipe that I use of course I get it from the New York Times and I think oh it's Mark Bittman's basic pizza dough <laughs> that's what I do
1: exactly okay.
2: so um he puts three cups of flour and some yeast and two teaspoons of salt and some olive oil in a food processor. Then you add a cup of water. It makes a ball, and uh, you take the ball out, or oh, you knead it for a little while, and you put it in the uh, put it in a Ziploc baggie in the refrigerator, and it just sort of rises on its own. You take it out of the refrigerator thirty minutes before you're ready to make a pizza, and it you beat it down a little bit and stretch it out, put it on your pizza pill or your sheet pan and load it up. How yeah, got to get that sheet how pan
1: much in there. How it's, much two te-
2: it's three cups of flour, bread flour, or all-purpose, two teaspoons of instant yeast, two teaspoons of salt, two tablespoons of olive oil, and that's it. You put it all in a food processor, so nothing's easier than that. And then um, it says uh, rub a little olive oil onto your hands, and you shape the dough into a ball, wrap it in plastic let it rest at room temperature for an hour or two um, or at least 20 minutes or what i usually do is you can refrigerate it for several hours and then um, bring it to room temperature when you're ready to use it and then you know roll it out or um, i kind of hold it like flatten it into a patty and hold it with my hands and let gravity sort of work and let it pull down and then I stretch it put it on my pizza peel. My kids gave me a pizza peel and a pizza stone for Christmas um, a couple of years ago, which I took as a hint. So
1: yeah, <laughs> I learned how to make pizza. Leanne, with the pizza stone, do you preheat the stone or do you put the pizza on it and then just put it in the oven?
2: No, you heat your oven usually as high as you can get it, as hot as you can get your oven, and then um, with the pizza stone in it and let it heat up for you know at least an hour or so till it's good and hot so that when you slide that dough on, it crisps up the bottom.
1: Gosh, that sounds delicious.
2: I'm starving now.
0: So using the stone, you basically cook it from the bottom and the top. So it's kind of like cornbread when you heat up the skillet and pour the cornbread mixture into the skillet and it sort of fries the bottom. Yeah. And then the top is, I guess you would call baked
2: and one um trick too is on your pizza your uh, peel your little flat it can be like
1: a a, a pizza peel is like a wooden paddle yeah. for people who can't can't hear it's it's a wooden paddle that you put your pizza dough your pizza on and slide it into the oven yes if you don't have one
2: you can turn a sheet pan upside down but if you sprinkle cornmeal on your pizza peel or your sheet pan, it acts like uh, like little tiny ball bearings, really, and the crust slides onto the pizza stone really easily, and it gives it that little extra crispiness from the cornmeal on the bottom.
0: Now that's something you should try in your fireplace because then you would have <laughs> a fire, a, a fire. Uh, I mean, a, a wood burning uh, pizza oven.
2: I know. I thought about that, but. Um, yeah, I was tired. If I have to, <laughs> if I ever get out of a shower again and I can see my breath in the room, um, I'm moving in with one of y'all immediately.
0: <laughs> so you lost, you lost power and water, or just? No, I had
2: water. I had it was sort of a trickle of water,
0: uh-huh. um,
2: but I had water, but no power for I think four days.
1: Boy. Um, Leanne, another thing that. I saw you make and then other people follow suit is you made a schnitzel a few weeks ago, and I can't remember if it was a chicken or pork schnitzel, but you uh you kind of set up a little trend there and you know a, a schnitzel is is a pounded and flattened piece of meat. so tell us a little bit about that and is it hard? No, it's very easy and you know I think every culture
2: has some version of a schnitzel. So schnitzel obviously is German and um, chicken Milanese is Italian or you know Milanese is the Italian version and um, I'm trying to think but there's a Japanese version too that I made. But again, I've lost my words. It's My brain hadn't kicked in, um, but uh, it's super easy. You get a protein either usually traditionally either chicken or pork and you pound it, put it between two slices, I mean two pieces of plastic wrap and pound it out really thin and then you set up a dredging station. So you have a dish of flour and a dish of beaten eggs and a dish of panko and you just hit the egg, I mean hit the flour first on both sides, hit the egg, hit the panko and then saute it in oil or olive oil until it's crispy and because it's so thin you don't have to cook it for very long and it um, is if I do schnitzel I tend to put a little dijon mustard in the egg to flavor it in panko I always put salt and pepper for the Milanese I put a lot of parmesan in it um yeah and so it's it's you can top it with anything you can put tomato sauce and cheese on it and you've got chicken parmesan or you can serve it with um cabbage or sauerkraut Uh, I do it a lot with um I'll get uh, cherry tomatoes and mozzarella cheese, kind of like a caprese salad, and put it on top of it or serve it with it, or I do an herb salad with arugula and whatever herbs I can find, and just lemon and olive oil.
1: Mm. Well, it, it looked delicious, and for uh, for those out there who haven't used panko before, panko or it's a Japanese breadcrumb, and they are you take crustless white, white bread and they're made into flakes and then dried. So it's a little crunchier than regular breadcrumbs. Right. And you can find panko in most any store now.
0: So it sounds to me like the schnitzel is a cousin to the chicken fried or the country fried steak that uh, we all grew up with here in Mississippi. Yeah. It is,
2: who doesn't like something fried?
0: <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't like a fried steak? <laughs> Leanne, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your partnership on Cooking and Coping, and we'll have you on again soon.
2: Thank you all for having me. I hope I don't have to follow you to read again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No easy task.
2: No easy (laughs) task.
0: Big South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. It is funded by generous contributions from listeners just like yourself. The show was produced by Java Chapman, For my co-host, Carol Puckett, for our guest, Leanne Gault, I'm Malcolm White. Now we ask you to stay tuned for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And join us every Monday for more Deep South Dining heard only on MPB Think Radio.